Well, I was right. Professor Alevi was dealing with the situation, but now, Baruch Hashem, he has time for us. Uh, Professor Yonatan Alevi, Israeli uh, public health care expert, a physician, served as Director General of Jerusalem Shari Tzedek Medical Center until 2019, and now is the president of Shari Tzedek Medical Center, one of our favorite guests here at JM in the AM. Uh, Professor Alevi, Shana Tova, Gemar Tov, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, and Shana Tova and Gemar Tov, uh, great to speak with you. Uh, before we talk about the hospitals, and obviously we're very concerned about our brothers and sisters in Israel, obviously you know that, but let's just talk more generally about what's going on from your vantage point and from your neighbors and friends' vantage point regarding the lockdown. We're told that the lockdown in Israel is essentially going to go until Shemini Atzeret Simcha Torah, which is October the 10th. Uh, is that in fact what's happening? Is everyone basically in place now through the entire holiday? Uh, well, yes, the lockdown is uh, definitely in effect. I must say that when I compare it to the lockdown during the first wave of COVID-19, uh, you see uh, many more cars um, in the streets and uh, many more working places that are open. But uh, basically, uh, it's it's a lockdown. Uh, there are uh, roadblocks by the police and the heavy fines if you have no uh, good excuse uh, to be in the street. And uh, what's more, uh, Bibi Netanyahu announced yesterday that he doesn't think it's going to last only until Motsai Simchat Torah, mm. but probably um, at least a month from now. So the situation in Israel is really not... Uh, I'm basically an optimistic in nature, and I never got such a slap in my face uh, to my optimism because I, I did not predict that uh, the second wave will surpass the first wave. And you will probably ask me in a few minutes about the situation in the hospital and it's accordingly. So just to sum it up, yes, there is a lockdown. It is not uh, felt so much in the streets, but the schools are closed uh, and... Um, uh, people are uh, are less in the streets, although working places are functioning. Professor Yonatan Alevi with us. Were you able to be in the Beit HaKneset on Yom Kippurim, and will you be able to be in one on Sukkot? Well, I'm reading uh, Kohelet in uh, this Sukkot, in Chobevetzion in Jerusalem, but in an outdoor shul. As far as Rosh Hashanah goes, maybe you will be surprised but I spent a week in your country, in the U.S., wow. uh, before before Rosh Hashanah, of course, representing the hospital. It was uh, a fundraising trip. Uh, we have a uh, few donors uh, that uh, COVID-19 led them uh, to reassess their priorities, and they elevated Shari Tzedek in their priorities. Wow. With all due subjectivity, I believe that they justifiably so. And uh, I came back Erev, Erev, Rosh Hashanah, so I went into isolation or quarantine. Right. Understood. Wow. Unbelievable. Kol to both you and those who are making Shari Tzedek a priority. When we spoke, we spoke with you, obviously, you know, in, in, you know, in previous conversations during COVID-19. We also spoke with one of the nurses in Shari Tzedek Medical Center's COVID-19 unit at that time. And remember, Israel was in a relatively better situation than most 
of the free world during the initial stages of COVID-19, yet the hospital did face a pretty big challenge. There were The nurse did describe to us that, you know, the unit was full and always active and ambulances showing up, etc. What is the condition now in the hospital? We know the numbers in Israel that they're unfortunately so high, but is that emergency situation and full situation being felt in a hospital like Shari Tzedek? Um. Well, I will not call it an emergency situation because as opposed to the first wave, we go on with our outpatient clinics, with all the ambulatory activity, with all the non-urgent surgeries. So the hospital is full with non-COVID-19 patients. Mm. But the situation with the COVID-19 patients is uh, quite um, worrisome, I would say. Uh, we have this morning 71. If you remember, at the peak of the first wave, RF Pesach, we had 120. Right. Uh, so we have 71, but we are opening these hours. We are opening a third COVID-19 department in order to increase our capacity to uh, 120 because the numbers are increasing. The age of the patient is younger which uh, makes it, on the one hand, maybe less dangerous, but we still have uh, seven patients on respirators, uh, two patients on ECMO. ECMO stands for uh, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. It's a kind of a heart-lung machine that you recruit when uh, the lungs really reach um, such a, a, a situation that uh, there, there is no reservoir of the lungs at all, and you need a replacement for the lungs. Right. We had few patients who uh, survived the ECMO and recovered, but unfortunately, that's the exception to the rule. So we see more severe patients at a younger age. The explanation for the younger age is that we learned during the first wave to defend very effectively our very elderly mainly those in nursing homes today are being isolated, tested very, very frequently, and if one of them is positive, is immediately isolated. So you see less elderly in the hospitals. But the disease became so prevalent with few cities where out of thousands of tests that are done daily, 30% come positive. That's the situation in Bneberat. That's the situation in Elad. That's the situation in Me'asharim in Jerusalem. What, what, about, what, host- about, what about your colleagues in Beersheba and Haifa? Are they also in the same type of situation or not? Uh, Rambam in Haifa, yes. They just opened an underground hospital to expand their capacity. Although the prevalence of the disease in Haifa and Beersheba is less than in Yerushalayim, but also the medical services and the acute care facilities in the periphery are uh, smaller. Usually Rambam is about the size of Sharet Tzedek, but that's the only major, really, tertiary care center in all the north of Israel. So it's no wonder that they are full. In uh, Soroka, in Beersheba, the situation is much better, so much so that uh, patients who are transferable are transferred to Soroka Hospital in Beersheba, from other hospitals that are full in Israel. Professor Yonathan Alevi is with us. Um, one of the things we're being told here by certain leaders and certain uh, members of government 
is that one of the advantages we have in the month of September and October over you know Pesach time is that we have much more effective therapeutics, that therapeutically, medically, uh, in terms of pharmacologically, we know how to deal with this much better. Would you agree with that, that in terms of how doctors can treat someone who tests positive for COVID and is suffering from bad symptoms, we're way ahead of where we were months ago? I partially agree, because these are not revolutionary modalities. Yes, we have the dexamethasone, the steroids, that we learn only after the first wave. We learn that should be started for every patient for five days when they get to be in an intermediate situation before they deteriorate. We have the famous Remdesivir, manufactured by Gilad, an American company, that we also give to every patient who is showing the first time of entering a severe situation with his or her COVID-19. And these two medications probably shorten the time, so there is the situation for the hospital, shorten the length of hospital stay where they are successful. There is no unequivocal proof that uh, they really uh, reduce um, uh, mortality. Uh, so it's only partial success, but uh, there is circumstantial evidence that they are effective. Uh, another thing that we learned after the first wave is to try and avoid artificial respiration. So we are using, ever, and maybe this is even more effective than, uh, than, than the two medications that I mentioned, that are the only medications that are partially effective for COVID-19, the dexamethasone, the steroid, and the remdesivir. Uh, nothing else, no hydroxychloroquine that we threw away long ago, right. and not uh, any other modality. But we learn to try and delay as much as possible putting the patient on, on a ventilator. And uh, we are using all kinds of modalities to give them oxygen support. Uh, sometimes under pressure, there is a, a simple machine called OptiFlow, where you can really optimize oxygen flow. Uh, under pressure without doing invasive, ventil- invasive ventilation. And I think that this lesson learned from the first wave of patients uh, really um, improves the situation, not only the burden uh, on hospitals, but it seems that the patients are doing better. Uh, Professor Yonatan Alevi is with us at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Uh, you mentioned the slap in the face that this second wave has been uh, and how it may have affected your general positive outlook. So now I'm very curious about whether you still have a positive outlook when it comes to a vaccine, we, we are being told, and again, there's an election year. We know there's politics involved and statements being made by both sides. Uh, but we're being told that we're close to a vaccine. If it does happen, it'll be a record pace. I'm sure you have followed the development of vaccines for certain things over the years, and this would be a record pace, even if it came out you know, a few months from now, it would still be. Uh, from what we're told, as you know, as a layman who reads this stuff, you know, it would be record pace. Is it? Is it still... Uh, do you still have a positive outlook and feeling that we will, in fact, have this vaccine, an effective one, very soon? And by very, I mean like in the next half a year? Well, in general, my outlook is positive for that. I don't believe there will be a vaccine before November 3rd. 
although you were ordered <laughs> by your president to develop it before November 3rd, if right. I'm not mistaken. Right. I'm saying it uh, half-jokingly. But I believe following um, at least the two leading companies, uh, Moderna that uh, cooperate with uh, Bayer and Oxford in England that cooperates with AstraZeneca, and uh, following their publications and the scientific publications on uh, on the phase three uh, trials that they are doing now, I'm quite optimistic. I think that uh, you mentioned half a year. Right. I believe that six months um, gives uh, a good chance. Uh, if really, I mean, the last publication was that after 27,000 uh, patients who got it from all ages and with all background diseases, though this was a publication by Moderna, there was no uh, significant side effect except this uh, one case that was examined and re-examined, and uh, the fact that they continued, the, uh, at least in Europe, that they continued the trials shows that uh, they are not panicked from this single case, but one has to remember, history of medicine is full with examples where medications that passed Phase one on few tens of patients, phase two on few hundreds, and phase three on tens of thousands. The post-marketing surveillance after marketing the medication or the vaccine and being given to millions of people, uh, we did see severe side effects. And vaccines are especially dangerous. So you are right. If we will have an effective vaccine uh, manufactured in mass production within six months, it will be a record, and we have really to hope that the post-marketing surveillance will not um, show us a few serious side effects. But I think that's the only chance we have to eradicate this uh, epidemic, this pandemic. Uh, will we sit down to the Pesach Seder having had a vaccine or not? The, the other method or the other route... Uh, and I read about this. I read that there are Israeli Israeli-made machines that are now being used in certain airports and maybe other facilities that are that are a rapid, rapid test. Meaning, you could literally walk in uh, to a facility, an office building, for instance, and however they do it, be tested within seconds or minutes. I wouldn't know the details. You would, of course. Um, and I think it's already being used in certain European airports. Is that is that possibly the direction we're going in? That that the vaccine may not be ready, but Israeli technology and other technology around the world might be able to give us a situation where every restaurant, or you know, again, a reasonable number of them, where every restaurant and office building and school and other facilities we want to open could, could literally, uh, you know, gauge. Who can come into this building and who can't? And and would that be a method of getting back to a normal life? Well, you are really updated. I believe this is a direction. It's not a, a substitute for vaccine, and I will explain in a minute why not. But that's the direction. I don't think uh, only in Israel. We are, as far as I know, it's not out of the experimental phase. So I'm unaware if it is a... Uh, uh, in operation in few European airports, definitely not in Ben-Gurion, it's on a trial basis. I think the Australians are developing a similar technology. And yes, we can have the result uh, within minutes. I believe this will be long before the vaccine, maybe in a week's time. Why is it not a substitute for vaccine? Because when a patient contracts COVID-19, 
during the first hours for sure, but also during the first days, the chance for a false positive result is very high, for a false negative result is very high. Mm. In other words, you will not be sure that uh, the patient is not uh, harboring the virus and it's still not manifested in this test. So it's not equivalent to eradication of the virus, but it's a huge, huge step forward in isolating the positive patients and in protecting the public. No matter what route I take or discuss, it all comes back to Avinu Shabeshamayim. <laughs> whatever he wants, yes. whatever yes. he wants, yes. that's what's going to yes. happen. For sure. Yes. For sure. <laughs> I'll tell you. And who would know that better than you? Because you have said many times that you have felt the spirit of the one above when you're trying to help a patient. Uh, and we know who the ultimate healer is. The ultimate healer is, is of course, the one above, as we've said uh, so many times. I fully agree, and I will be the first to agree. <laughs> Especially during this holiday season, we emphasize it so many times. Uh, Dr. Alevi, best regards to our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. It's hard to believe how long it's been since we... You've been here in the United States. We have not been to Israel since January, which is difficult for us to believe. But uh, we're, we're hoping that this lockdown and all the precautions that are being taken will finally, finally stem the tide. I mean, I, I guess you are at this point warning people, hey, we're just starting October now. As we get into the winter months, potentially this could be even worse, right? It can, but uh, I believe that the social distancing uh, will, and that's what happened in Australia during their winter, I hope social distancing will make the flu epidemic mild uh, this, uh, this year. But again, I ask myself, myself if it's not my general positive outlook. Right. But at least there is a scientific basis to assume that if people keep social distancing, and social distancing is well kept in Israel now, even among the Haredi community, uh, as, a, as a general rule. So I believe the flu epidemic will not be severe this year. And uh, let's hope that the vaccines, it varies from year to year. There are years where the flu vaccine is 25% effective. There are years when it is 75% effective. It right. depends if the producers really and the scientists predict what serotypes of the flu uh, virus will prevail this year. So let's hope the vaccines will be uh, effective. Let's hope that a large segment of the population will be vaccinated this year, and I believe it will be so because of what we went through in the last six or seven months. And um, let's hope that the epidemic will be mild. And, so and, and, the winter and, will not aggravate the situation. And if flu numbers stay down, automatically COVID numbers stay down or not necessarily? Not necessarily. No, these are two different viruses and they behave completely differently. So you're just saying that if flu numbers stay down, in general, the, the health of the country, will, 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 will it, it'll help stem the tide of more and more people getting sick. Let's put it that way. Exactly. Tadaraba to you, Shanatova to you, and continue. Shanatova, Gmarchatimatova to all your listeners, and uh, let's hope we'll meet soon in Israel and Refuash Lema, Lechol Bet Israel, Velaolam Kulo. Amen. Tadaraba, Professor Yonatan Alevi, President, Shari Tzedek Medical Center. Always a wonderful perspective, even during difficult times like this. Eight minutes after eight o'clock. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning broadcast of JM in the AM.